0: Welcome to What She Said on 1059 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. Today is the last show of 2021 20 for What She Said, which gives me a chance to strategize for 2022 a little until I return on January 8th. But I want your help. What do you want to hear more of next year? I try to empower, educate, and entertain with every show, so tell me what you want to hear more of over on the Facebook page today. But for now, let's jump into the last show of the year. Today, De Cruz joins me to wrap up for the Meridian Credit Union Masterclasses on Personal Finance that we ran all year. Plus, she shares results from a recent Consumer Insights survey that found that most Canadians have money hang-ups from childhood that still affect them today. We all know that first responders and those who serve in our military cope with a tremendous amount of stress and mental health issues. The very nature of their jobs makes it so. But what of those closest to them, their families? Heidi Cram is an occupational therapist and associate professor in the School of Rehabilitation Therapy at Queen's University and leads the Families Matter research group. She joins me to share some of the research on mental health and trauma that first responder families are going through. Yolanda Jung wants your whole family to get the most out of 2022. She joins me to share details about her upcoming workshop for the whole family that will help you hone in on what is most important so that everyone can move forward with purpose and peace in the new year. And Brody and I have a little fun this week as we share our top three Christmas movies with each other. And it's clear that we have different tastes. You won't want to miss Anne's picks because I bet most haven't seen them. Finally, Jenna Nation is a Canadian R&B pop singer and songwriter who is quickly gaining momentum on the international music scene. Considered by many as an outstanding vocalist with a charismatic stage presence, Jenna has released a new single for the holidays called My Christmas Wish, which will be the closing song of the show this week and of what she said's broadcast year. It's another full week at what she said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 1059 The Region. I am joined now by Dillis DeCruz, who is here with me today to wrap up for the Meridian Credit Union Masterclass we've been running all year on personal finances for women. Plus, she has results from a recent Consumers Insight survey that found that most Canadians have money hang-ups from childhood that still affect them today. We're going to be discussing that in a second. Welcome to the show, Dillis. Thanks so much, Candice. Well, what a year twenty twenty one has been, right? It feels like we're ending like we kind of started, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. It, um... <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think on a positive note, I think this year I feel really good about what we what we shared with people uh, on on matters of personal finance. I think we brought a lot of value. And if anybody's wondering, we do have these all on the WhatSheSaidTalk.com dot com website, but you also have them over at the Meridian Credit Union site as well, right?
1: Yeah, we'll be linking to them. And yeah, you know, when we look at the year in review, we started out uh, really excited to launch this masterclass, which is focused on... um, you know, educating women, but encouraging them to take control. we called it take control, woman. (laughs) So, you know, really, and and why did we do it? You know, I'd like to kind of go back and just a quick review and say, well, what was the why behind doing this? And the why is that women currently control over $2 trillion uh, in Canada. That's massive. Uh, By 2030, uh, they're going to control 60% of the wealth in Canada. Yet nine and ten women will have to manage money by themselves. It's embedded in my head, and I'm sure in yours. And uh, and we're lacking as women the financial confidence and knowledge to feel good about being able to manage the money. And so, uh, being a woman and uh, and heading up wealth management at Meridian, and it's part of our whole business model. We um worked with you to develop uh, this eight segment masterclass. And uh, that was the why behind it. And so we talked about the otherwise in terms of, uh, you know, money is the number one stress uh for people. Uh and women carry a bigger burden of that stress because of carrying child care. They're um, you know, picking up a, a larger percentage of the household uh responsibilities. And so again, you're oh you're laying around layering on and layering on stress. And so out of you know that uh we said let's educate women. And so what did we talk about? We talked about the basics so that women can understand um you know just you got to be comfortable with, with the basic financials. What is your cash flow? What are your assets? What are your liabilities? Understand your expenses and and where you, you are sitting financially. And then we talked, really moved into money conversations, which, by the way, this ties in perfectly to the survey I'm going to talk about and the results that came out of the Canadian survey that we did um, and how important it is to have conversations at a very early age with your with your children, involve them in your money discussions, get them thinking about it. And it's all age appropriate, but the more you can just make it part of your regular conversation, then you're not going to. Well, you're not going to end up what I'm going to tell you about in terms of the anxiety Canadians carry because of their childhood baggage, right? So money conversation is really important at all stages. So from from children, but right to, you know, uh, it's never too late. I just had the money conversation with my 87-year-old parents because you got to have a different money conversation there. And that was the first of money conversations. So it's never too late. Um, And then we talked about different life stages and we talked about, you know, the expense of having children. What do you want to think about before you have children? Because they are pretty darn expensive and they don't leave you for a long time. So uh, we went through that. We went through divorce. You know, divorce is such a high rate. How do women, what should they think about? How do they position themselves if they're going through divorce? And gave some guidance there. And last but not least, if you're single. What does that look like? And there's a lot of pluses on that as well, too. But you have to be able to manage your memory about it. So that is in a nutshell. We have linked to your uh, you've got it on your website. We've linked to that. And I encourage anybody that missed any sessions or even just to, you know, need reminders, go back in there and check it out.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that these are skills that we need to revisit a lot. And and what you said about getting children early, I think that's really key because that confidence
1: starts early. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. money, doesn't it? It totally does, and it's confidence, and it's an openness to discuss, so that you're not bringing shame into the picture later on, or you're not you're not uh, bringing all this other baggage with your adults. So, perfect segue to get into the survey that we did. So, we were really interested in doing a consumer insight survey to understand. Uh, about how Canadians feel about money in general. And we, we, we went into 1,500 Canadians across Canada. Maru Matchbox is the company that we use to do the survey. And we dug deep. So there's going to be lots more coming out. But the first tranche of the research that came out is the uh, that 55% of Canadians have money hangups. They have, would they say that from their childhood, whatever the views and and the environment that they had in their childhood, they're going to bring that into uh, their adulthood. And so out of that, 42% said they carry anxiety from their childhood. So this is not a surprise, right? We carry everything from our childhood. So if if there was a scarcity mindset, if uh, there was always fighting over money, um, if there was always a perception of not having enough, then you're going to carry that into to, into adulthood. And interestingly enough, what we found is even if you had money now as an adult, you still carry that baggage. You still might have anxiety. And so how does that show up? And so um 42% said they were anxious about it. And 56%, though, reported that um they weren't rich, but they felt that they had all they needed. So so there was some that came, some good things that came out of it. And the other thing that I want to point out that, that was good that came out of it is that uh the ch- People's childhood experience, it propelled 52% to focus on planning and saving for the future. So they took this, whatever their experience was, and the impact of their childhood, 52% said, can okay, I do something about it? I'm also so, fascinated by
0: the connection between psychology and money. Uh, this is... This is wild. I mean, I feel like we all need a big group session on a couch. What you're some of these statistics you're show you're sharing with me. This is uh mind-blowing yeah. really to think about how much of that controls our decisions today. Um, yeah. I understand in relationships,
1: but wow, with money, it it is an intense relationship by the sounds of Indeed. it. And I've been on YouTube watching stuff and you see these psychologists actually integrating money conversations into what they talk about. So it's all tied together, right? Emotionally tied together. Okay, so number two, which we got out of the gates early and talked about in our master class is that uh, Canadians are talking about money. And so 40% of Canadians don't didn't talk about money when they were growing up. And 48% learned about money on their own. And so this is why we were doing what we're doing. We want to be a resource to help Canadians learn about money. It's also nice to know that um, many, you know, uh, school boards in Ontario, for example, is putting that into the grade nine curriculum. Um, And so, you know, financial literacy literacy is becoming more and more important. But. Again, not if you didn't talk about money around the dinner table, you're not going to do it. More than likely, unless you're aware of it, right? I think when you become aware of things, just like you said, you know, when you're going through therapy or whatever, and you have these self-discoveries. Once you bring it to light, you can deal with it. So I think this is really important to bring it to light to encourage people to have conversations and uh, and not just with your family. Have it with your friends. You know, your friends can help you too. And 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 again, we're going to talk about advisory part of it as well. And so, number three, what I want to talk about is this was really interesting. Despite the anxiety that Canadians are feeling, only uh, 60% don't work with a financial advisor or a planner.
0: That seems, that's crazy to me. I, I yeah, I don't, I mean, I myself have, have are, I'm on a very intense journey with this myself, but I, I know enough that I don't know enough. And so reaching out to the professionals is super important to, to get that um, expertise on, on anything to do with finances.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so if you think about it, there's, you know, 50, 42% said they're anxious about money and 60% of Canadians uh, don't have a, an advisor planner. So you can just imagine the stress, right? I'm already stressed out. <laughs> I have anxiety but I don't have help. And so, you know, it seems pretty one plus one equals two, right? And so, you know, again, this is the value of uh, reaching out and finding an advisor that's going to be there with you through the good times and the bad times to to help you and have your back. And so why aren't they reaching out? Well, in some cases, they don't think they need, they have enough. What came out of their survey was many people thought they needed 100,000 to see an advisor. And I'm here to tell you differently. You don't. Um, now, in some places you do, Right. And some in some firms and some financial firms, that's how much you need or maybe you need more. But there are firms like Meridian that you wherever you're out on your journey, come talk to us and we're going to put you in front of the right advisor. Highly encourage people to put that thinking behind them. Uh, They don't know where to find somebody they can trust. So it's really important to talk to your friends right, and talk to people and do your research and get referrals about finding an advisor that, uh, you know, maybe you know about or interview a bunch of them. Right. Um, we, you and I talked about this at the beginning of this masterclass, shame comes into play. So 20% of people don't see an advisor because they feel shameful. And again, I want to reinforce for we, Emeridian, are here to meet you on your journey. And so I would encourage anybody uh, to go in and see an advisor. And if you have somebody that's not connecting with you or judging you, leave and find somebody that's good for you. Uh, and some of the some people, and this was another thing you talked about. Candice, we could have written the survey.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: you're I saying that, I was thinking, point.
1: did we write the survey? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. And many people are uh, kind of concerned about the cost. Is there a cost? And so we had talked about this, and to go and talk to somebody in some cases, there might be if you talk, have a financial planner, but if you went to Meridian, for example, you came in, you could have a conversation, they could help you, give you some advice, and then put you on a plan and do a plan, which is part of what you do. So to, to actually get some advice and get a plan, mm-hmm. It's not going to cost you. And so where does that leave us with all of this? The two key things I want to actually just leave people with is obviously the biggie is we need to have many conversations like this.
3: <laughs> lots,
0: lots and lots yeah. of the. We have to hammer that point home with, with women in particular, with but again, by 2024, uh, three trillion dollars, I believe, will be controlled by women in this country, which is a massive amount of money
1: and look at the divorce rate right and look at and look at again you know the widow rate and everything else yep. and so you know when i i'm always on this bandwagon and i have uh i come from a family my dad's family made the Guinness world book because they're the longest living family <laughs> in the world and so there's nine ah nine sisters and they're all in their nineties. And every time they see me do anything like this, they take control. They go, where's all our stuff? And so, you know, that's what I would love people to do is just start talking, talk to your friends, talk to your family and just get more informed. uh, Go on our website. Um, The number two piece is so critical. I want to leave people with is do not feel that you have to do this alone. Right. Yeah. So 60 percent of people of Canadians are not getting advice and don't have a planner. And I'm here to say you don't have to do it alone. You're already stressed out enough. I'm stressed out and that's why I have an advisor. <laughs> so, um, you know, you don't have to do it alone. There is somebody there that can help you. You know, um, I know going to say, get the courage. I guess it takes some courage to do it. So get the courage, but also feel confident that there are people that can help you and, and, and really um, take some of that stress away for you.
0: Okay, well, we're going to end on that because I think it's a perfect, uh, perfect point to end on is that people don't yeah. have to do this alone. We're going into 2022 again. We're going to be bringing more great educational pieces on finance to to listeners of what she said. So Dillis, I am excited to see you again in the new year and I'm wishing you uh, happy holidays and a happy new year as we end out 2021 today.
1: I knew you as well. And it was great working on this project with you, Candice.
0: We all know that first responders and those who serve in our military cope with a tremendous amount of stress and mental health issues. The very nature of their jobs make it so. But what of those closest to them? Their families. Heidi Cram is an occupational therapist and associate professor in the School of Rehabilitation Therapy at Queen's University. Leading the Families Matter Research Group, she's been doing research on mental health and trauma in families of those who serve in military and public safety sectors like fire and police. A fire spouse herself, Heidi is especially interested in conducting research with these communities and working collectively to apply it to programs and policy development. She joins me today to discuss. Welcome to the show, Heidi.
4: Thanks very much for having me on, Candace. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: This is a really interesting discussion because we do talk about the trauma that our first responders and military receive a lot, but that has to download to their families, and so who is taking care of them because i think it's it's almost like they're expected to somehow heal the person under so much stress right
4: yeah it's definitely a complicated phenomenon right so you know when we have people who the nature of the jobs that we do that they do we you know whether they're fire they're police uh you know they're paramedics they're correctional officers whether they're military these are folks who we as canadians need to put themselves in harm's way to expose themselves to these kinds of traumatic events as the nature of the job. Like it it is inherent. There's no way around it. And we need that for them to ensure the domestic safety and security and and safety and security abroad. But in so doing, wow, the stuff that they see, the stuff that they do, the stuff that they can't do, the stuff that they just absorb by being around people who live in systemic poverty who haven't had opportunities um, that many of us have had. And yeah, then they come home and it's like, you know, did you pick up the milk? What do you mean you forgot to pick up the milk? Those kinds of transitions in and out of family life are really, they can be jarring. When you come from a shift where you're on the job and you are completely in the zone and you are doing God knows what. Uh, And then you're, you know, you're at home and then there's all of the immediate Expectations that you just kind of step into family life, and that's not so simple. And I think that you know, as an occupational therapist, as a as a family member, as a researcher, you know, really come to see that's a really tough thing to ask of these folks to do day in and day out. And when when we don't actually prepare the families very well to be in these roles, to take on these responsibilities and to really understand what it means to be on the job and what it means for families.
0: Yeah, and you know, the people who are at home, you know, welcoming their loved ones home after a stressful day on the job or maybe stressful months if it's military, they're not equipped professionally to deal with sort of the impact of this. Plus they now have their own stress. So are you looking to um, offer tools Like, what is the end goal of this research? Is it to offer tools to families to better identify PTSD and trauma, to uh, um, help cope, and also tools for themselves?
4: Absolutely. So, you know, I've worked in in the field of military and veteran family uh, health research for almost 10 years. And a few years back, I was really asking questions of, of me, of my husband, like, where do I go as a FIRE family member if If we needed these issues, where are these kinds of supports for for people in the public safety community? And really became quite motivated to see how we might actually create those kinds of supports and services for public safety families as well. And so, you know, I've been part of the build of these organizations. So there's the Canadian Institute for Public Safety Research and Treatment, which really looks to mobilize, um, you know, all the research to apply for these things. Like, how do we help families? And we're really at an exciting point because there's been quite a number of projects that we've done within this these Families Matters research group that help us understand exactly where to go with developing exactly what you mentioned. So what is it that families need to know about? What does it mean to be on the job? What do they need to look for, for themselves, for their loved ones? And when we think about families, we're not just thinking of spouses and partners. We're thinking about parents. We're thinking about siblings. We're thinking about close personal friends like It really is something these traumatic stressors do not only impact the individuals. They impact the entire systems of social support. And so those social systems have this kind of back and forth. So if I come in and I affect you, well, you can affect me. And so that, that can be for better or for worse. And so we have to make sure that when we place these expectations of you know roles and responsibilities, these families are act as interveners. That we actually equip them with the the right tools and the right school uh, skills and resources. And right now, families of public safety personnel don't have any network. So one of the things that we're going to be doing in January is actually moving to activate this first responder public safety families network. So we're going to have an event uh, at the end of January where we're going to invite people who are interested in families of public safety personnel, what do they need to know about what it means to be on the job? Let's figure this out and let's move towards that vision of a prevention ecosystem for the families of public safety personnel.
0: So I have to say, you know, I realize you've been probably doing this study for quite some time, I expect, pre-pandemic, but I expect the pandemic is adding a whole new layer of stressors mm-hmm. into this. Have you started to look at the impact of the pandemic on uh families of, of first responders and military?
4: You know, we we are in the midst of that. So uh, you know, we are interested in hearing from people around that. We actually have a funded study around COVID impact. So what we what we see is that COVID really amplifies, magnifies, and intensifies uh, you know, to use the words of Nora Spink, So uh, she would really frame the COVID impacts around those issues. So amplify, magnify, intensify. So anything that we kind of see happening for families broadly in Canadian society, we see it more, much more in a closed system for the families of our public safety personnel. And so they've been at much higher risk. And then there's even things like, you know, the what do we do with her clothes, like our station gear? What do we do with her de- decontamination strategies? Like, how do we not, like, actually not bring this stuff into the house? And so the lengths to which people went to protect their families and the restrictions that people had on social um, interaction were far more than what we as a broader society have been experiencing. Where people have been seen as like a the vector of illness, the pariah, because they're out there doing what we need them to do to protect us all.
0: And I remember he- reading these heartbreaking stories at the beginning of the pandemic, especially when we didn't understand how it was spreading, of first responders living out in their driveways in trailers so that they wouldn't infect their family. So they're still doing their public service, but th- now their families are feeling that strain and, and, and pressure. So what is next then for you?
4: So, uh, we, well, we just had a, an event that actually will be available on the Center of Excellence uh, for PTSD site, and the Center of Excellence serves uh, military veterans and their families. Uh, veterans and their families. And so we did uh, a whole study on suicide prevention. So that that PowerPoint, the fact sheet and the video will be available um, under their event page. And that really does showcase kind of that intervener issue of roles, responsibilities that families have and recognizes that families can be affected in their own right and have their own issues. And we have to start attending to that as well. So that is a resource that's out there and available. And we're going to be moving into the next phase of the suicide prevention project. But in January, we will be looking at this big launch of the the network because it's very difficult to do research and to do research that matters with the people, uh, you know, who who are intended to benefit from the research if there's no network to communicate, engage and mobilize people. So this is where it will be a real call to action for us at the end of January. So we're looking at January 27th. Uh, stay tuned on the Canadian Institute for Public Safety Research uh, site. So that's SIPCERT. and so that will um, be able to share information around that. Where we'll we'll be able to actually have that as an open group where people will come together and actually, uh, you know, get into working groups uh, that are moderated to actually hash this out. Like, what does this network need to look like? What do we? Where do we start with? You know what it means to be on the job, and we'll be launching our Families Matter Research Group website next month as well.
0: Okay. This is such an important topic. I mean, honestly, and if anybody's listening and they're thinking, well, you know, this is not my family. My family doesn't work. In this affects us all. This, is, this affects society, and, and so this really does matter. And so uh, just quickly, again, where can people find out more, reach out to you? Uh, is there somewhere they can go in the meantime uh, before the website is launched?
4: Certainly, they can reach me by email at Heidi.Cram at QueensU.ca. I'm on Twitter at Heidi Cram. Um, you can look me up at Queens. Um, and so, you know, I welcome engagement. Anybody wants to talk about these issues, just reach out. I'd, I'd welcome the, the conversation. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so
4: much for having me. Take care.
0: In the coming days, we'll be bombarded with countless lists looking back on the year that was. But at what she said, I believe strongly our focus should be on what lies ahead. Yolanda Jung believes that too, and that we all need clarity of mission and vision in our life. A serial entrepreneur with three successful businesses so far, a certified teacher and a certified coach with Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Yolanda is joining me today to discuss how your entire family can move into 2022 peacefully and with purpose. Welcome back to what she said, Yolanda. Thank you so much, Candace. It's so great to be back. This is such a good talk because we often say, when I move ahead, or this is my plan. But I really love how you are focusing on the family unit, moving together. Uh, So let's start with those three words that you mentioned to me before this interview. How do you involve the whole family in defining those three words? And what do you mean by that? Well, you know, for people to think about creating a mission statement is daunting enough.
5: And then to think about how do I create a mission statement for my family could seem even more scary. So that's why I usually use a very simplified process where I say, just think of three words where next year, this time, if I were to describe your year using these three words for your family, you would feel like, okay, that was such an amazing year. I really feel at peace with the time spent with what we did. So that's really what the three words is about, is picking out three key words that could describe your year. You know, it could be something like balanced or healthy or fulfilled, but from the lens of a family and not just from someone's personal career or personal life.
0: I really love that because I think when you do that, it means that you're taking in others' feelings in consideration so that they just not have to be mindful of your three words, but you have to be mindful of their three words as well, right? Oh, absolutely. And you know, Candice, a lot of us do
5: team building events for our corporate jobs or entrepreneurial jobs. Like I organize team building events for my two teams all the time. But when was the last time you actually organized a team building event for the most important team in your life, which is your family? And you should be working together as a team and not as an individual.
0: So you talk about defining the roles in your life. And I feel as women in particular, mm-hmm. we care we have a lot of roles, we assume. We have our work role, our home role, our friend role. Uh, what do you mean by picking sort of two? Yeah. So
5: you know, families operate as an entity as well, just like us women operate as an individual. And so one thing that I really resonated with is a recent book that I read by Dr. Shafali called A Radical Awakening, where she really highlighted the importance of self-love for women and how the most important role that we play in our lives is not a mother, is not a daughter, is not a wife, but is as a person who loves, truly loves ourselves. And so if you were to extend that to a family, then the family unit really truly needs to love itself and really needs to feed itself first. And so that's kind of the what I mean by the two roles. You know, like the first role and the first and most important one is really What do we play as a family? What role do we play for each other as a family? Is that in a role of support? Is that in a role of love? Is that in a role of creating balance? So that is a really important thing to think about. And then the secondary role is as a family, what are some of the things that we would like to do as a unit? You know, is it to be of service to the world or is it to be learning together? You know, whatever that might be is to really think about that role. So in my work as a coach, I coach women to find clarity in their missions and visions in life. And I always tell them, you need to start with yourself. You know, it's that analogy of the airplane, right? Oxygen mask on yourself first. You can't pour from an empty cup. And so the family unit is no different. You need to make sure that you are feeding into the family unit so that it can actually be of service or it can actually do more externally.
0: I really, I just, I can't love this enough, especially after the last two years, we've had all this intense closeness with our family. People are probably feeling a little bit strained and frayed on it. This is such a great way to mm-hmm. reset going into 2022 um, as a cohesive unit. So tell me more about your event and and what will happen during that.
5: Yeah, Absolutely. So, you know, typically I host a vision board event either for my Girl Strong nonprofit where I work with young girls or I help adults that I coach in my coaching practice. But this year, you know, like you said, it's such a different year and I feel like we need to now look beyond the individual and look at what our family is doing and the health of the family is so important because it supports the individual. So that's why I decided to have a family vision board event on January 15th, where the family come together and we work through my process of creating that vision board. And Candice, I would love to offer a free ticket to your audience as well to attend this event if they were interested to join me. And I'll let you know how to do that later on. But the way the event is going to go is I have some fun exercises for them to do. Before joining me. And this is really a chance for the family to get together and think about how this past year has gone for them, what worked well, and what they would love to improve on before we actually go into thinking about, you know, what are the three words, what are the two roles, and what is that vision that you want to create for your family. And so they walk away really with a lot of clarity about how, as a family, they would like 2022 to go, each person in the family feeling that their voice is being heard and really having a chance to actually have goals created so that they work together towards achieving them. And they will create a beautiful visual of that representation and hopefully put it up somewhere visible in their house so that everyone can see it and stay committed to this goal that they've created together during this
0: fun experience. So aside from the pre-discussion that families will have before your event, are there materials that people should gather before the event uh, ahead of time that they'll need to sort of build this vision board?
5: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And you know what? Whether people are joining me in this vision workshop or not, I would love for you to do this. So I'm going to just give out a freebie. And this is part of the exercise that I send out to the families as pre-work before the workshop is I ask them to look through their photos, whether it's on the cloud, their computer, wherever it is. And I ask them to pick out the top nine best photos that gives them that fuzzy, warm feeling about their families. So again, this is not the individual, this is the family. So pick out nine best pictures where it really shows your family in a way that makes you feel just that warm and fuzziness about 2020. 2021. Oh my gosh. We're like, I'm like off the year here. Um, Without 2021. <laughs>
0: it just feels like 2020 never stopped. <laughs>
5: I know, right? Like these two years just like merged together and then it's all of a sudden 2022. And you know what? That's exactly why I did not want this to happen again in 2022. I wanted to make sure that everything is done with a lot of intention, with a lot of planning. And um, yeah, so that's one of the exercises that the family... We'll do together as kind of like, you know, a fun exercise. Like, let's look through our pictures. I know a lot of families create photo books. I mean, that takes a lot of time. So, this is really just let's quickly pick out nine pictures that really shows what our family is all about and what we want to recreate for 2022. Just the best things that we are grateful for and have a collage of that. So, that's one of the exercises that I think will really set the tone for gratitude, love, and togetherness for this family.
0: I love this. This is exactly the mood we need going into 2022, Yolanda. Uh, Thank you for joining me today. So let's uh, recap where people can find out more about the event, where they can sign up. Uh, We're going to give away uh, a ticket to one family uh, to join you. And we'll run that on our Instagram account on What She Said Talk. Uh, So uh, watch for that if you're listening right now. But Yolanda, if you can uh, direct us to the website and where we can find out more. Absolutely.
5: So it's posted in my bio on Instagram at business.doula. And that's my, my name for my new bi- coaching practice, Business Doula. So if you go to the bio, there's a link on the Eventbrite page where you can get a ticket. And also, I hope that you can enter in the contest on what she said's Instagram page um, for this free ticket as well. So it's valued at $125, but it's buy one, gift one. So I'm giving you a chance to not only help your own family, but for $125, it could be one of the best gifts you can give another family to give them
0: an amazing 2022. Lovely. Thank you so much for joining me today, Yolanda. This was great.
5: Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you so much, Candice. It was so great to see you again.
4: Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
0: Joining me now for the last Saturday Night at the Movies in 2021 is Anne Brody. And we're going to have a little fun today talking about our favorite Christmas movies. We're going to compare to see if our top three, we'll see if our top three match up, Anne. But you are first want to mention a couple of things.
3: Yes, I need to let people know that old films are my uh, go-tos for Christmas because I find the last three decades or so, Christmas films are about product placement and selling. So the purest ones are earlier. Also, if you want to get rich, write a Christmas song, make a Christmas movie, because those residuals will come in every year for as long as you live. <laughs> but I will start with my number one favorite Christmas film. And that is from 1945, Christmas in Connecticut with Barbara Stanwyck. She plays a Martha Stewart type who can't cook she has this image. She's a newspaper columnist. She can't cook. Circumstances take her to her boyfriend's luxury cabin in the woods where she's forced to make dinner for her boss. So all kinds of crazy things happen. A sailor is sent to her as a publicity stunt so she can feed him. And the 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 dinner is going to be a disaster. Honestly, it is so funny. It's almost like a screwball comedy, but not quite satirical and boy, this really makes you think of Martha Stewart. And I can't tell you the number of times I've watched it.
0: So you're right. I don't think we could be more off on our number one. (laughs) Mine is, uh, the Grinch who stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. Uh, this has been a family, a family favorite of ours. My daughters and I can rhyme off every single line of that movie. And we do all Christmas season. Uh, and okay. I just love I Does that bring
3: back to your childhood? No, no.
0: The Grinch Who Stole Christmas that Yeah, no, but this one's with Jim Carrey, so I don't know how old it would be, but you know, um, he is just so expressive in it and and fun and lighthearted. And everything about that movie just makes me smile. And so as I said, we know every word of it. So that's my number one. What's your number two, Anne?
3: Cool. My number two is The Man Who Came to Dinner, which is a 1942 absolute screwball comedy. It's about this Truman Capote writer type who goes to visit Rubes, who goes to the Midwest to spend Christmas with a normal, uh, you know, Midwestern family. Well, first thing he does is break his leg. He's got to stay there. He's demanding, rude, sarcastic, vicious, but he has all these Hollywood friends who come to visit him. There's Ann Sheridan, Jimmy Durante, he has an Egyptian Sargophis. He brings in a uh, a herd of penguins into this house. It is sensational. It's so witty. You just have to really listen hard to get all the lines. And uh, Betty Davis plays as secretary. I can't recommend it highly enough. It stars Monty Woolley, who nobody knows but should know, and Betty Davis.
0: Okay, we're gonna we're definitely gonna look that one up. Uh, my second favorite Christmas movie is uh, Love Actually. And we just oh. watched it two days ago. And I I laughed because it, depending on the time and season of my life, different parts of that movie resonate with me. And it's funny how over the years, I seem to cry and break down at different, with different storylines every year. <laughs> I love it. I love uh, it. <laughs> but speaking of Christmas songs, uh, that song by Mariah Carey is in there. And uh, you know, I looked that up the other day. She has made sixty million dollars off of her song at Christmas. Uh, it's crazy.
3: My last pick is The Holly and the Ivy, 1952 from England. It's about a country priest who is being cared for by his young, pretty, but limited daughter she can't get away she looks they're out in the country in the middle of nowhere so his other daughter comes up from london for the holidays it doesn't actually say so because it's 1952 but my read is that she's a prostitute so they come up and they have all these conversations and words he didn't know and it comes out really subtly because it's 1952 what's happened with her and a pregnancy and then the magic happens the absolute magic happens. There's a whole change of thinking, and the two girls switch places. Just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. So the young girl gets to go off and live her life, and the other one comes to care her for her father, get away from her bad life. That's a that's Christmassy. <laughs> Definitely, absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more on that one this
0: year. Uh, my last one for me. I'm going to go a little bit. Back in time as well. And it's a Christmas Carol with Alistair Sims. Uh, there, I mean, that a Christmas Carol has been retold and redone probably a bajillion times in a different billion different ways. But this one with Alistair Sims, he is just magic in it. And the moment when he wakes up and realizes what he's done, the glee that he shares on screen is infectious. It's infectious. It's just wonderful. That's so that's my third. So thank you for sharing yours. Anne. that's, I love this. And I, I hope people have found some new Christmas movies. Now that we've shared these, um, of course, we're going to share on our Facebook page this week on Saturday. So maybe people will jump in and share their favorite Christmas movie with us as well. And um, we're going to be back in the new year. yeah
3: we are. We're taking a we're yes. excited for 2022. Yes, I am. The same way I was excited for 2021 because 2020 was over. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, did 2021 even
0: happen? I think it was just 2020 for 2 years. Uh all right, and thank you. Thank you,
2: thank you so fun. much
3: for a wonderful year. You as well, Candace. You're the best. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. Happy-
0: Jenna Nation is a Canadian R&B pop singer and songwriter who is quickly gaining momentum on the international music scene. Considered by many as an outstanding vocalist with a charismatic stage presence, Jenna has already hit some significant milestones in her career and has worked with some of the best in the industry, including Grammy and Juno winning and nominated producers and songwriters. This year she has released a new single for the holidays called My Christmas Wish, which will be closing the closing song of this show and of what she said's broadcast year. Jenna joins me now to share a bit of the backstory before we play this song. Welcome to the show, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me, what was the inspiration for My Christmas Wish? Well, I always wanted to
6: write an original Christmas song. And um I mean, I think what really inspired this one is COVID, Um, just because I have always spent Christmas together with my family. And this year, um, I think it just really hit home even more so how important it is to be with family and just um, thinking about the the true meaning behind Christmas. And for me, that's time with my family. Um, So I just wanted this to be a reminder to everybody of um, what Christmas means and just valuing being with your loved ones. Um,
0: so yeah. (laughs) So was your Christmas last year, was it significantly different than Christmases before due to COVID? I mean, some people did get together with their family. Were you alone? Were you able to see your family? So yes, I was
6: very fortunate to have been able to see my family, but, um, because we live in different cities, um, we ended up being together, but we were all wearing masks. And so we weren't hugging each other. We were social distancing and while we could be together, it still didn't, you know, feel like we were fully together because, you know, we had to be cautious. Um, so hopefully that this year will be a little bit different, (laughs) but I definitely missed, you know, just being able to hug my grandmother or, um, so definitely that, uh, that definitely inspired the song
0: (laughs) well we are all missing that we're all looking forward to a somewhat normal christmas this year with our friends and family um so before we close out the song the show with this song where can people connect with you follow your other music uh download this song and play it for their friends and family
6: yeah um so this song my christmas wish is available on all streaming platforms so it's on spotify itunes apple music um soundcloud all of that and there's also a lyric video on youtube Um, And then you can find me online on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at The Jenna Nation. So T-H-E, Jenna Nation. Um, Yeah. And then my website as well is www.jennanation.com. So you can see all the updates there as
0: well. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jenna. I am wishing all What She Said listeners a very Merry Christmas as we close out today's show with My Christmas Wish by Jenna Nation.
2: The things that they wish We're never too old to dream And we're never too old Too old to believe Let's not forget The child in our soul The magic we feel On Christmas this year
0: That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com. And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re-listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region
4: previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com
3: I'm Andrea Askowitz and I'm Allison Langer and we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes, so if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com And listen to our podcasts
5: wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.
6: It is your favorite girl. That's right, it's the Allie Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating